All right, guys. So as you guys know, today we had a day prepared for Q&A. There's only one question that was submitted, and that was, I won't, at first I, we, I thought it was a little like a joke, but then I talked to this person yesterday, and this person was actually serious about this. Then I realized that it has to do with interpretation. So we'll talk later about it. Unless you have the verse, I can look it up, uh, or what, uh, what you were talking about. But I, it, it's a very broad question. I won't say the question again. I'll talk to this person. But that gave me the chance to do a couple of things. Last week, I told you guys that I jumped from verse 18 and 19, and there's a lot of stuff that I want to cover in those verses. And we went straight to the end. Because in my mind, what I was hoping for was for us to finish chapter 21 last week and get into a Q&A this week. Now, because there was one Q that was submitted, uh, I think it's going to give me time to go ahead and finish for, uh, chapter 21 in a more detailed way. And putting this together, guys, I will tell you guys that, that everything, everything we read in the Bible has this context. Do you guys remember what the end of last week's study was? Do you guys remember how Peter was asking for, about who? John. What's going to happen to John? And Jesus said to him, what is it to you? Something like that. But when reading in context what John is talking about to it. And again, we're going to connect the dots today. You guys are going to see into that what Peter was trying to do. Um, and it's a calling that I think all of us as Christians do have. It's just we do our best to avoid it. All right? So you guys will see what I'm talking about. We're going to go ahead and pick it up on verse Let's read verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 18 to the end, and then we'll go ahead and break it down, guys. 21, John 21, verse 18 and up. Yes. yes? All right. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19, this he said to show what kind of death he was, he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and, and had said to him, Lord, who is that? Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, it is, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So that saying spread abroad among the other brothers and that, that the disciples, I'm sorry, that the disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say that, that he was not going to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things. And who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Where every, one, where every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that that will be written. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you so much for this beautiful day, Lauren. Just giving us the opportunity, Lord, to be here. I know uh, maybe some of us are tired, hungry. 
um, or whatever it is that we're going through, Lord. I know our mind is probably going a thousand miles and, and what we're thinking of doing after service or what happened before service or what happened yesterday or the day before. But Father, this is your time. This is the time that you set apart for us to hear your word, God. I do pray that you will speak to us now and help us, Lord, and direct our path in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 18 As much as you guys, I was, I was reading this, and I was, I was trying to, I, I don't get this verse. Because when you read it, I, I just, from, just by reading it, all I could get from there is the fact that Jesus is telling uh, Peter that he's going to grow to be an old man. That's pretty much all it says. Let's read it. Verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This is telling me, again, without any context, that Jesus is just telling Peter that he's going to grow, out, grow up to be an old man. We might not find a lot of significance behind it, but Jesus is pretty much giving Peter a timeline. How many of you guys... The answer okay, that's fine. How many of you guys do you actually believe that you guys are going to reach to be 100 years old? Raise your hand. You believe you're going to reach to be 100. Got it. How many of you guys believe that you guys can reach to be 90 years old? Manny in the back. Got it. How many of you guys actually believe that you guys will be 80 years old? Do you some of you guys in the 80s? How many of you guys think in the 70s? The younger ones? Well, you too? 60s. I ain't going to lie. I think I'm going to kick the bucket at 60, guys, around there. Just give me a warning. I don't know. Some, somewhere late 50s, early 60s. That's my prediction. That's what I believe. That's just my opinion. Regardless, right? We all believe a certain thing, but yet do we know for a fact that that's going to be the case? We don't know. We don't know if we'll make it by tomorrow. We don't know if we have a week. We don't know if we have a month. Jesus here is actually telling Peter that he's going to grow up to be an older man. And that he's going to be in places where he's not, where he doesn't want to be. And you guys will see what I mean. This is a prophecy of Peter. This is Jesus calling out a prophecy about Peter that Peter was going to die serving the Lord. Jesus' calls, call of devotion to him will also mean that Peter's devotion will re- entail his own death. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 to 39. Do we have it up there? Awesome. Can we put it up there, please? Matthew 10, 37, 39. To write this but this is, this also applies to all of us as Christians. You guys ready? Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves the son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is a call to Christians. This is a call that Peter understood that Jesus had told his disciples from the very beginning. 
Now, remember, Peter has, has just been the guy to deny Jesus. Peter has been the guy who, in the midst of his emotional roller coaster that he's going through, right? Because Jesus had just finished asking him, do you love me? How many times did Jesus ask Peter if he loved him? Three times. And it wasn't until the third time that Jesus says, do you love me? That Peter finally got the, the hint of what Jesus was trying to do. My wife and I usually constantly have this conversation. And I think I've had this conversation with some of you guys as well. As a church in general, not just La Promesa, yet this includes La Promesa. As a church in general, the assumption that God will never use you and I, and that God, you know, that's not my job, right? You know, I'm not good enough to do that. Let somebody else do it. They'll probably do a better job than I do. We might not say it, but that's how we live our lives. And you know what? You should go and pray for that. You know what? I'd rather have somebody else do it. Hey, dude, you pray for the food. You know what? I, I don't feel comfortable praying. Can somebody else pray? It's like we put ourselves in the situation where we feel like God is not, we're not good enough to do anything for the Lord. So therefore, we want to pass the Because in our minds, we think that somebody else is better than us, that God has done a better job in somebody else's life that they could do it better than we can. But what if God is actually calling us at that very moment to do something because he has something bigger in store for us? This is what I mean. When Jesus asked Peter three times whether he loved them, it wasn't until the third time that Jesus actually got the response he needed from, Paul, uh, from Peter. And I feel like constantly God is asking us, why, is, why do I feel like this is going in and out, the sound? Is it going in and out? Yeah, it is, huh? Something's up. No? Okay. I feel like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, okay. Maybe if I move this way a little bit, the thing, sorry. Um, I feel like God is constantly asking us, do you love me? I finally had someone a, a while ago tell me that he didn't know whether he loved the Lord or not. I was pretty shook. I was like, hmm, I never heard that answer before. And this person was honest enough to tell me, I don't know how much I love the Lord. Because with my mouth, I want to say one thing, but my mind and my heart are somewhere else. And I think that's the best place for us to be at, to recognize our weaknesses, to recognize that you and I are nothing without the Lord. The requirements to be a follower of Christ, it's not just a matter of saying, I believe. Every time that you and I use the word believe, we think of an intellectual thing. And then I, I believe in my mind. Like in my mind, I think this is how it's supposed to go. But Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 gives us the requirements to be a follower of Christ. 
And it's very interesting. Again, keep in mind, we're going to connect these verses with the conversation that Peter has with Jesus about John. This is all connected somehow. The requirement to be a follower of Christ. Again, Matthew 10, 37, 39 says, Whoever loves the father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. In other words, if you love your mommy and your puppy more than you love the Lord, then the Bible, Jesus himself says that you're not worthy of following Jesus. Now, it doesn't say don't love your parents. It's just don't love your parents more than you love Jesus. Does that make sense? Now, it's easy for me, for you guys that know my life, it's easy for me to look at that and says qualify. Got it. Not a problem. I don't live with mom and dad. I'm good. Second part. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me, it's not worthy of me. Okay, wait a minute. That's a little bit too close for comfort. You know, at times, I've, my wife and I have been at the doctor's office when my daughter was sick, uh, from, from Alana to Mercy, to where, even though we're not saying the same thing, we kind of feel the same way about that situation. Like, she'll see my face and she says, Bev, I know what you're thinking, but we can't let it get to us. Because the thought that comes to my mind is like, really, Lord, you love me? And you're allowing this to happen in my life? And then the Lord shows me at that very moment. Like, and, and it's hard. You guys might not understand this. But I promise you, I think when you guys get to be an age to be a parent, which I hope for some of you guys is 20 years from today. But when you become a parent, it's very hard not to love your kids with this unconditional love. Where this like, you know, my kid is sick. Should I serve the Lord? Man, that's pretty... It's pretty up there. And then you read the requirements of what Jesus is requiring of us. Then it makes you question. And he's absolutely right. I feel like Peter in those situations, Joel, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Joel, do you love me? Jesus, I do love you. And then the third time, are you fully committed to me? Okay, well, after this, because I'm dealing with this problem right now. But I promise you, after this is over... I'll go handle my business with you. Do you understand what that looks like in your life? I want you to go to prayer night. It's Friday, Lord. I'm tired. I mean, why am I going to go to prayer night for? I could pray here in my house. But come Sunday, I got you, Lord. I made fun of that situation, guys, because I don't get it. I really don't. And, and, and this is just me being completely honest with you guys as a church. Many of us have been here for years, and it's so crazy how coming to prayer night is probably the hardest things for any one of us to do, and yet it's the one thing outside from teaching of the Word that we need the most. Yet, somehow we have the most excuses for Friday nights. Have you thought about it? How many of you guys are busy every Friday night? Raise your hand. Nobody? Okay, you're busy Friday night. Thank you for your honesty. So if you're not busy Friday nights... I'll see everybody here Friday night for prayer night. Uh, you see, what happens is, just kidding, guys. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to put it out there, guys, how important it is for us to understand what commitment looks like. 
Understand what commitment looks like in your life. How many of us in here have jobs? Raise your hand. How many of you guys are required to clock in on your job at a certain time? What happens if you don't? Late, late, and you make a habit of it. At some point, someone's going to have to give up, right? Someone's going to have to say, you no longer qualify for this position, or you said, this job is not for me, I need to quit. But something's going to happen. But it's so crazy how I'm barely ever late at work, by the way. Like, I, I hate being late anywhere, and, but work is one of the things, like, I hate clocking in late. I hate it. But it's so easy how it, easy it is for me to wake up late on a Sunday, knowing that I have to be here at a certain time, and knowing everything that I have to do to be here on time. Like, I make excuses for it. Oh, you see, yesterday we have this kids event, and, like, I was here late helping clean up, and I was like, you guys don't understand. Like, I'm so tired. Well, I'm still required to commit to the Lord the way I commit to anything else. It's even more than that. I heard this before, like, yeah, you guys know I love V-necks, right? My shirt's V-necks. You guys even make fun of me because of it. I've even gotten some for my birthdays and Christmas. So you guys know that I dress with V-necks. Not too long ago, I wore a V-neck on a Sunday communion. Didn't think anything of it. Done it for years. Afterwards, this lady from church said, Hermano, I love you. Oh, gracias, you know. Praise the Lord. But, I know. She said this. Don't you think you could wear something better on communion, night, communion day for the Lord? You know what I wanted to say? No. Is that what I said? I understood that in her mind and in her heart, again, I don't dress like this for weddings. Why would I not put on a button-up shirt for communion days? Because it's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about how I feel. The requirements to follow the Lord are not something to take lightly. In verse 38, it says, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. You know what that means? Does anybody in here understand what carrying the cross means? Anybody? There's candy at the end of service if you answer this question. What does it mean to carry your cross? Sacrifice what? How? You're close. Okay, so you're warm too. You're very warm. But you believe it or not, the answer is a lot simpler than what we think it is. So there has to be sacrifice involved. There has to be carrying involved. But what? What is it to carry across? I'll give you guys a hint. Marlene, you want to say something? Carry the world? You have it, but you can't put it into words. 
Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a minute. I'll give you guys a hint. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Okay, so the key word is what? Sin. So when Jesus is saying, carry your cross, so connect the dots. Anthony? Dieting yourselves to what? That, yes, yes, and, and sin. Die to your sinful self. In other words, to carry your crosses, every time you want to do something you're not supposed to, deny yourself. Carry it. Let it go. Like, literally, literally carry that burden with you. It's saying, you know what? I can't. I don't want to fall into this place of, oh, you know what? It's just who I am. There's nothing wrong with it. Oh, you, you guys have no idea how many times I've heard. You know how many times I've said it? There's nothing wrong with it. But you know what Jesus requires? is for me to deny myself. You know what Jesus requires of me? For me to carry that one thing that I'm so used to doing because there's nothing wrong with it. It's my life. I can do whatever I want with it. Take his cross. Deny yourself to follow him. Verse 39, whoever finds his life will lose it. Now, this is a little confusing. But you got to remember, Jesus came to give us life. And what kind of life? And life abundantly. See, you and I are, are, are looking at it from a, in a, from a worldly perspective. Right? Some of you guys are young. Some of us are a little older. And my wife's and I's eyes, we have this plan of buying a house someday so that we, her and I could be comfortable. In about 20 years, my daughters might get married. So they're going to leave the house. So then it's going to be my wife and I. And then we're looking into retirement. And when we retire, we might travel the world. That's our plan. That's our worldly way of looking at things. When Jesus says he came to give us life and abundance, it's because he wants us to look past what this world has to offer us. But if all you're doing for it, according to verse, um, uh, what was that? Verse 39 in Matthew 10, it says, whoever, whoever finds his life, whoever lives for the satisfaction of what this world has to offer, if all you're living for is to just have money, enjoy life, YOLO, whatever, right? Is that, that, that's the saying, right? If, if that's it, that's all you're going to get out of this. But if you're sharing the gospel, if you're serving the Lord, if you're loving people, if you're forgiving people, you're storing up treasures where? In heaven. Whenever a Christian follows the Lord, you and I, as Christians, have to be ready and prepared to suffer. Matthew 16, 24 through 26, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will I profit? I'm sorry, for what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Exactly what we were just talking about. And for, for forfeits his soul? Or what should a man give in return for his soul? 
so it's so crazy for us now to put a, a, a number to our lives. Yeah, it's heard it before, and, and, and I don't want to get too much into it, but you guys, the whole saying, I sold my soul to the, le- the devil so I could be rich, so I could be famous, like that's actually putting a price to your soul. Understanding that there's nothing in the eyes of the Lord that could ever repay what he's done for us. There's no money in this world. There's no fame in this world that could ever replace what Jesus could do for us. According to history, Peter lived three decades after serving the Lord. After being, after this woman, it is believed that Peter lived 30 years after this. Find that in 2 Peter 1, 12 to 15, it says, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to start you up by the way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus made it clear. And I will make every effort, I'm sorry, I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Jesus wrote this at the end of his life. It is believed that the book of Peter, that the letter that Peter wrote was written 30 years after the book of John. 1 Peter 4, 14 through 16 says, If you are insulted in the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be, be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Let us believe again, church records tells us that Peter suffered and die under the kingdom of Nero in the year A.D. 67-68, being crucified upside down because he refused to be crucified like the Lord. Peter went from being this dude that denied Jesus, that talked too much, that he knew it all. He went to a guy that at the end of his lifetime was able to write First and Second Peter, to let us know what suffering actually really felt like. It's hard for me to explain to you guys what being a parent is. It's really hard. You guys might have a picture of it. Especially, if, imagine if my wife and I didn't have any kids. It says, oh yeah, being a parent is hard. You guys would be like, okay, I believe you, Joe, but you don't even know what it looks like. It's hard for me to explain to you what a grandfather looks like. I've never been one, and I hope not to be one. Yeah, just saying. I don't want no mocosos if I'm like 60 dying. There's mocosos running around with my basketball cards or my guitars. You know what I mean? Like, nah. Nope. Nah, annoying my wife is like, mijo, presta celos. Yeah, I don't want to deal with that. You know? My wife is going to give my stuff away. I'm telling you guys right now. Mijo, it's just a guitar. Anyway, there's just basketball cards. I'm like, oh, just kidding. 
Peter actually was writing from a place of knowing what it was to suffer for the Lord's sake. He was in prison when he died. And when he was crucified, the Bible says that he, crucified, he was crucified upside down. Now, he understood what suffering for the Lord was. You and I think that gossip within the church. You and I think that because somebody thinks of you a certain way, that is suffering enough. Oh, man. See, like, I'm suffering for the Lord. Why? Because somebody told me I was wearing a V-neck during communion, and that's not right. Oh, you should, you should leave. <laughs> that's not suffering. It, it, it's not. Years ago, my wife and I, when her and I were dating, we used to go to the orphanage in, in Mexico. This orphanage was about 50 kids at the time, and there would be like 15, 20 of us that we used to go. Now, you guys know that I'm not a fan of milk. Mm-mm. Can't smell it, can't look at it, don't want it. Nope. But one of the things they tell you when you go on a mission field to serve others is you eat whatever they put in front of you. So, first morning, breakfast is about to be served. I was avoiding it. I was asking for cafecito, some pan, and I'm good. But the kids really wanted us to sit with them. Next thing you know, I hear the words, we ran out of cereal. And I was like, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But then I hear the fancy word of cerealazo. Now, you guys have no idea what that is. Maybe Adrian remembers. I know my wife knows what I'm talking about. The famous phrase was serialazo. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. We asked what it was. And Tomas said that serialazo was something that they do at the orphanage alone. Where they grab the very last, you know, like in, in your cereal boxes or in your bags, like there's the very end of cereal that nobody wants. It's all like polvo and stuff. Okay, so you grab all the bags of cereal that you have that nobody else wants, and you throw it all in one big bowl. Not just that. That doesn't, that's not what makes it cerealazo. Peanut butter? Cream cheese, was it, Edith? Cream cheese? Cottage cheese, thank you. I knew there was some kind of cheese in there. And milk. And jam, yeah. I was just going to say that, jam. That's cerealazo. Now, ah, yogurt, you're absolutely right. Man, see, you remember. I'm not making this stuff up, guys. This actually happened in the orphanage. My face said it all. You know, I'm very expressive. My face is at all. It was really hard for me to look at that. And one, it didn't even look appealing. Second of all, like I knew that it was going to end bad regardless. I'm not going to tell you what I did because I don't want to jinx the story. But I got away with it. Point of that story was, when you're serving the Lord, there's a lot of dying to yourself. A lot of it. 
And unfortunately, and I'm going to use the word unfortunately for you and I, we live in a country where everything just has to come very easy, very self-satisfying. It has to feel a certain way, even within the churches. You walked into a church, well, I don't feel like that people here want me here. You know how many times I've heard that? Like I didn't, one, we invited one of my friends years ago, and my friend literally walked in and says, Mm-mm, this isn't it. I don't feel the Holy Spirit in this place. I don't know what you were, I, I, you know what I mean? It's like, it, everything's about feeling. It's, everything's about finding that comfort area in our lives. Oh man, the, the seats aren't comfortable enough. Worship isn't good enough. Pastor isn't this enough. Uh, the, the people, the ushers, every, there's, we, have, we have more reasons nowadays to leave the church than back in the church, back in, in Bible times. I, I don't know who I was talking to about this. I, I was with my wife. You know, it's crazy. Like, imagine being, being back in the Bible times and the church of uh, um, uh, Philippians, whatever, right? Uh, uh, the church in Corinth. And you go in there and says, well, I don't like this. Let me go on Instagram, see what church is trending. Oh, there's one around the corner. Yeah, this is, God isn't calling me here. God is calling me here. That wouldn't fly back in Bible times. You know how much you will have to walk and go to, go to church back in the days? I had Nathan, I think Nathan and I were talking about it. Like you will have to walk miles and miles, probably days. Not just that. The people back in the book of Acts when the church was being built, they were being persecuted. If they find you in the house talking about the Lord, chances are they will throw you into the lion's den. The Romans will go and look for you. Paul was one of the guys that he would go and look for Christians and go and take them and put them in prison so that they could be eaten by lions and the Roman soldiers will go and fight them. The Colosseum in, in, in Rome, I think it is, right? It was used for that, to kill Christians. Imagine. I don't like this church. Let me look at Instagram. You know what? There's one on the corner. You're walking by and there's a Roman soldier walking by. Where are you going? Oh, I found this church on Instagram. I'm like, come here, rent that. You know? And he takes you and you're done. They were high within the, 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 the people's houses. That's how church was back in the day. And the Bible, if you read the book of Acts, the Bible says that people used to rejoice. They used to pray for one another. They used to eat with one another. They used to help each other out. If you needed something, the people within the church will help you out. And the Bible says that as they will do those things, that it was God that added to the number of the church. It wasn't how famous the church was. It wasn't, you know, how many people on TV were watching. It was the fact that they were focusing on, on, on loving one another, on serving the Lord, of drawing closer to the Lord. And it was that same focus, it was that same desire that God would continue to add people to those churches. The point of verses in, back in, in John, the point of verses 18 and 19 is to allow us to let us know what it takes to truly be a follower of Christ. And the common denominator in all of this is that it takes suffering. It takes dying to yourself. And as Jesus is explaining this to Peter, saying, look, Peter, you're going to have to suffer for my sake. You're going to die for my sake. But again, on verse 19, Jesus makes it very clear to him. He says, 
follow me. But look at the reaction of Peter. Again, keep that in mind. Suffering, dying, hate, all the things that involves like being a servant of the Lord. And Jesus is asking Peter to follow him. Look at what Peter responds. As soon as Jesus tells him, follow me, Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. I, I could imagine like, pastor comes up to me and says, Joel, I want you to uh, clean after service. So can, can they help me out? I don't want to do this by myself. Can, can the worship band help me? And I can see you guys all walking like, nope. Imagine that's what Jesus, that's what Peter is doing. Jesus just told Peter, you're going to die for my sake. You're going to suffer for my sake. Peter turned around and found John. Now, I'll, I'll give you guys a little uh, I found two commentaries on this, and I tend to go with the second one. Just because, again, I feel like Peter and I are like, you know, her, him and I, we know what's up. Turn around and saw the disciples whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also leaned back against him during the supper and said to him, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Now, the commentaries I found are two. Again, the first one is like, it could be right, because I don't know. But I tend to go with the second uh, commentary that I found on this. It could have been that because Jesus just warned Peter about everything that is going to happen to him, about following him, now maybe Peter's concerned for John's, on John's behalf. Jesus, what about John? Like, I don't want him to go through what I'm about to go through. Let me die, Jesus, and not John. That's pretty much what the commentary is saying. Now, it, it, it could happen. It could happen. Again, I love you guys. I would only take a bullet for you guys if it's not in a place where it's going to kill me. And that's a maybe, okay? Uh, for my wife and my family, I take a bullet. Doesn't care. I don't care where it hits. But I'll probably like, you know what, guys? Let me, let me, I'll go, guys. I'll clean the bathroom. None of you guys should suffer. Okay, let me do it. Right? That's how much I love you guys. That's, I, it, truly, I will clean for you guys. Or two. Peter is shocked at the fact that Jesus has just told him his future. And Peter does not want to do this alone. And Peter does not think it is fair for him to go through everything that he's going to go through Yet John, who had been in the same place when Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus, John gets away with everything. Now, I tend to lean to the second thing. And I don't want to do this alone. That time, homies first, right? Jesus tells them in verse 22, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? And reminds them again of what he just asked in verse 19. You follow me. 
Now, I explained to you guys last week how easy it is to fall into this category of putting our eyes on people. I'll tell you guys this much. Anything that doesn't come from the Lord is meant to distract us from the purpose that God has for every single one of us. Any comment that people make about you that's not nice? Don't care how sensitive you are. Don't care how emotionally unstable we are. We don't like people making comments about, that, about us that we know for a fact are not true. Perfect scenario. I'll tell you guys what happened to me this morning. I was told that because I got wet yesterday in the slide, that I was very immature. Now, I'm a 40-year-old man. I don't like to be told I'm immature. And as I was driving, I was like, Lord, I don't know. I don't know. No, it's not true. Lord, I don't let this distract me. Don't let me look at this person different because of what was said about me. And as I'm getting here, as I'm ready, getting ready for worship, and as we play the first song, I just kind of like, that's exactly what the enemy was trying to do. Distract me from serving him. You know how many times I've said stuff about people that is, I might be way off? And God is just keep telling me, show grace, show love. I looked at this person today and I hugged him and says, God bless you, brother. Love you. The enemy was trying to do that exactly for me to look at someone different and be like, no, that's it. Like, I'm out. You're going to think I'm immature? Like, you know what I mean? Like, all I wanted to do was quit. <laughs> and as I'm, sitting, as I'm sitting in the Spanish service, my mind is just going 100 miles an hour. I'm like, what if I leave? What if the prophecy of, it's so funny how every time I finish the book of John, God calls me out to do something else. What if the prophecy is true? What if now I'm called to go to Texas? This is it, guys. This is my ending. God is saying, nope. <laughs> like, I literally felt the Lord telling me, this is your place. Because right away, I felt like the Lord showed me what book I needed to teach next. Just to give you guys a heads up, it's going to be the book of Colossians. So if you guys want to get to start reading, it's a very short book. There's a lot, there's a lot that we're going to be able to get out of there. And if you think we're the only ones that suffer from gossip and misunderstandings, we're not. Look at what happened in verse 23. Again, Jesus just told Peter, if it is my will for John to remain alive until I come back, what is it to you? You know I have the power to do whatever I want with John, right? Don't worry about it. Right? That's pretty much what Jesus said. In verse 23, this is how the rumor got started. <laughs> so the saying, in other words, so the gossip spread among the brothers, that the disciple was not going to die. Now, is that what Jesus said? No. Jesus made a power, made a comment about his power. You know, I have the power that I can make John stay alive until I come back. Don't worry about it.
Verse 24 and 25 gives us the importance of our testimony. I read this and, and it reminds me why as a church there has to be a good standing with the people. Believe it or not, people are watching us. Believe it or not, the Bible says that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. So how we love, how we forgive, how we serve, how we look at others, you're not the only one that's looking at yourself and I'm saying, oh, look at me. People are looking at us constantly. And John in verse 24 and 25 gives the importance of having a good testimony. Why? Because your word is going to continue on. Thirty years from now, let me say I'm be forty, so I say I'm a pride die in my sixties. So I got about twenty years left, right? So the story of the Theo, I hope it lives on longer than twenty years from now. And I hope you guys know that the story about the Theo is so true, not because it's funny, but because you guys believe my testimony about it. Because I hope you guys don't think that I'm a liar. Does that make sense? Plus, there's proof, <laughs> right? The shirt, right? I love doves. Proof enough. Point being is, guys, the testimony that we need to keep, it's very important. I don't care. I don't care what anybody thinks of me. Well, you should care. You should care enough to have a good standing first with the Lord and then with those around you. Look at verse 24. It says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and whom has written in these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Had it been books written about John of how much of a liar he was, the book of John will make no sense. You see where that is? You see, you see where I'm coming from? The importance of having a good testimony the importance of not making stuff up. It's important. What is it? The, the, the cry wolf story? How does it go? What? The girl that cried wolf? Boy, it's a girl. For sure it was a girl. But fine. For nowadays, the boy that cried wolf. You guys heard that story? Right? You know, our testimony, like sometimes you and I, as Christians, are the only open Bible people will ever read at times. I don't know how you guys do it, but I see a peace in your heart. I see joy in your life constantly. How do you do it? Well, let me tell you about the Lord Jesus. Joe, how is it that you're able, or people, how, how is it that you're able to go through all of this? I, 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 I hate to bring this up again, but like, when my wife lost his, her mom, I was losing it for her. And I saw her, and I saw this peace. And I saw this joy that I'm like, yeah, no, it's not because of me. Like, I suck at keeping her happy. <laughs> like, I really suck at giving my wife peace. But I know who is in her life. And I'm not the only one that saw that. Like, a lot of people came up to her, and it just were able to say the Lord is real just because of the testimony of my wife. And vice versa, too, in some of you guys' life. 
I've heard some of the situations that some of you guys have gone through, and I'm like, how do you do it? Hermano Cirilo, like, poor guy. How does he do it? <laughs> I was sitting behind him during service, and, and I see the, the operation thing, and I'm like, that was no easy surgery that he had in his head. Yet, dude was back here within a week. And it's not because of his strength. It's because it's, it's commitment to the Lord. I believe that when Hermano Cirilo, I believe when, when people like my wife and people have gone through stuff that, that don't care about what they're going through, it says, here I am, Lord. It's because when the Lord have actually says, do you love me? And their answer has been, yes, I do. It's because they truly are committed to it. I honestly believe that hermanos like that are truly committed to serving the Lord. I'm not saying none of us are. Please don't take this the wrong way. I'm not saying you and I aren't. But I will ask myself, where you're at right now in life, what, what has more importance in your life than, than anything that has to do with the Lord? Uh, you see, like I'm working on this and it's all about me and I'm working on myself, you know? Like I, I need to look good. And then once I'm in a place where like I feel good enough, then I'll commit to the Lord. I'll commit to serving Him. I'll commit to prayer nights on Friday. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all these things that you're like, it's so easy for us to like, eh, I don't care. Eh, it's none of my business. Eh, let somebody else do it. Eh, it's the pastor's job. Eh, it's the leader's job. Cool. Hey, I don't have a problem with it. The more leadership, the more pastor serves the Lord, the more treasures we store up in heaven. But we want all of us as a church to experience the same things. Mercy is pretty good at, at sharing her stuff, believe it or not. Every time, like, Dad, can I have a paleta? Sure. Go to the fridge, grab one. And she says, give me another one. And in my mind, what am I thinking? She's being selfish, right? No, she goes, it's for my sister. I promise you she'll do that every time. And even though she just got in a fight with her sister, she's always like, oh, vitamins. Vitamins are another one. I get the gummy vitamins. Like I give her two. And I said, um, these two are for you. He goes, oh, do you want me to share one with my sister? No, no, no. These two are for you. I'm going to give her two. She's always thinking of others. I mean, 90% of the time she's thinking of herself. But when it comes to giving stuff, she's pretty good, she's pretty good, at, she's pretty good at sharing. Over here, us, eh, I don't want to give my time to church. It's Saturday. It's hot. I'm going to have to put out with joy again. Ugh. <laughs> like, what? Sunday morning is just too early. All the excuses that we put up when it comes to us dying to ourselves. There's two things I want us to take, take away from this. The last chapter of the book of John. One, it's true commitment. Ask yourself, where do you stand with your commitment with the Lord? And number two, do not, do not put your eyes on anyone else. Do not base your relationship with the Lord on what's going on with anyone else around you. Accept the Lord. Don't. God is doing something in that person's life that you are not aware of. 
Don't worry about it. Why is it that this person gets away with all of this? Don't worry about it. I invite you guys, every time you think of that, like somebody else, like you're going through it, and you think somebody else, like, like, oh, why is that person so happy? Why is that person, like, successful in life, and now I'm here stuck with this? Read Psalm 73. Can you guys remember that? Psalm 73. It's my favorite verse. My favorite psalm, by the way. And it explains a lot. Every time you look at someone and you want to compare your life with that person, read Psalm 73. We're not going to read it right now. Just saying read it when you're going through it. It explains the heart of men. It explains my evil heart. Every time I'm going through it, why, why me? Why can't somebody else that has more money deal with this? I just got a flat tire, by the way. Why can't somebody else that has more money than I do deal with flat tires? I have no money. I have to go get my tire fixed. Manny, help me out. I'm just kidding, Manny. No, don't do it. I'll take it to the dealership. But in our minds, like, why me? It's just a flat tire. But God has a purpose, and God is working something in our lives and in people's lives. What is it to you? I always look at this the same way, and I'll close with this. I tend to look at people and wonder why. I really do. I try not to get into this like, oh, you know, this person isn't suffering enough, or, or I'm suffering more than them, or I'm better, or they're better. I tend not to do that. But I always, like I see someone going through something or doing something, and I'll say, why? Then I realize that you and I, different paths and everything, we all have the same calling. You guys want to know what that is? Go to Ephesians 1, and we'll close with this. No matter what it is that the other person is going through, no matter, it is, no matter what it is that you're going through, keep this in mind. You and I have the same calling. Whether you're sitting down here listening to the Bible study or you're up here giving the Bible study, you and I have the same calling. Ephesians 1, 11 through 12. Let's stand up and we're going to read this. Next time you want to look at your brother or sister at church and wonder why you're going through and they're not, doesn't matter. The end result should be the same. We all have the same purpose. We all have the same calling. Ready? We're going to read it out loud, the three, uh, all of us. Verse 11 through 12. One, two, three. It says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, being, have been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Listen to what verse 11 is saying. God has a purpose for us in his own will. God has a way of doing things and he's making everything work for that purpose. Not just that, the end result of that purpose is so that you and I could glorify the Lord. Whether you have more money than I do, whether you're going through it more than I am, whether you're sick or, or, or I'm healthy, whether I'm suffering and you're not, it doesn't matter. The end result is that our lives are to glorify Him. You see, you see what the purpose of all of this? That's the answer to life, guys. That's the answer. Why is it so hard for us to understand that? 
because we're selfish and because this Bible study went one year out the other. I should do that. Like next time, next Bible study, guys, cover one year. Cover, cover the bad one. If not, I'm going to call Peter and be like, just kidding, guys. It's a Bible joke. Let's pray, guys. Um, next week, um, it's a sad day. And I probably call out sick next Sunday. No, we're not going to celebrate nada. No vamos a celebrate nada. So I'll ask you guys not to come next Sunday. I'm just kidding, guys. It's my birthday next Sunday. I'm just giving you guys a heads up just in case you guys hear about a surprise birthday party. There isn't one. Uh, <laughs> I'm size too old. It's my daughter's birthday tomorrow, by the way. So we're going to pray for her right now. Alana? Alana? Come here. I haven't seen her all weekend. She's been partying it up. Next Sunday, Alana's going to give an a outline of what she learned this weekend. I don't have to teach. Just kidding. And no, it's Freddie's birthday on, on Tuesday. Everybody give it up for Freddie. Huh? Got him to come up too. Freddie, come up. And I know Adrian's birthday is coming up on Saturday. And if, Jonathan, where are you, buddy? Oh, Alan. Ben Allen. Anybody else birthdays on, on, on August? Jonathan's over there. Yours is Wednesday, that's right. I think it's Saturday because it's the 7th. Yeah. Damn, we're all getting old, guys. How old are you, When's your birthday? Oh, that's right. We pray for you. It's okay. Your mom wanted you to be up here. Let's pray, guys. Father God, Lord, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you, Lord, for just allowing us, Lord, to um, be able to be here. Uh, to be able to enjoy another moment in your presence, Lord, through worship, through your word, God. And I, I pray, Lord, that as we continue to grow older, every single one of us, that you would just continue to guide us and use us, Lord, continue to speak to us, and that we may be able to understand what true commitment looks like, Lord, and that we may be able to surrender it all to you, God. Help us, Lord. I, I pray for Freddie, for Alana, for Adrian, Lord, for uh, Alan, Lord, for, and for myself to truly understand what, full, what true commitment looks like that we may uh, be truly committed to you, God. So, Father, I thank you for their lives, Lord. Be with us and guide us. Continue to uh, just guide every step that we take, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say amen.